thanks, friends, for listening in. Um, we, we talked about our values here um, in the last couple of weeks. And remember, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. You don't have to watch a person too long to know what they really do value. We spoke about actual values because we all have actual values. We have spoken values, so the things that we talk about that are important, we all have those. And then we have what we called aspirational values, so the things that we we really want to want, but if we're honest, we're not quite there yet. And we spoke about our actual values, which can be a bit of a combination of those, but the actual values are the ones that we're living. And we we know examples of people and, and the way that they value. And I've thought this week, again, this church, I, 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 I think this is an extraordinary church. I think this is an awesome church. Um, and not, not that many churches who are 35 years old this year um, have only had two senior pastors. That says something pretty important about the church. And the first senior pastor, and, and I, um, Pastor Gary McGinty, you guys, several of you know Gary and Sue, just an extraordinary couple. And I remember sitting with Gary um, at, at Westfield, Plenty Valley, a couple of years back. Um, always, maybe not always, but usually, catch up with Gary and Sue when they're in Melbourne because they live in Cairns now and, and we do talk on the phone, just extraordinary people. And um, I remember saying to Gary, you know, sometimes every so often there's a church and, and pastors know this um, and then, you know, we're a Baptist church. So, so Baptist pastors would know. I could tell you now, I won't, <laughs> but, but I, could, I, I could tell you now of some, some churches in the union, the Baptist Union of Victoria, and they're known, like they're problem churches. And, you know, like, like, and I mean, if, and I think most of my colleagues would be the same. If you ask me, would you please go and, would you consider a call to go to X church? Like the answer, <laughs> I'm not going there. You know, like there's no way. You know, so the problem churches and churches that say for pastors, they chew up and spit out pastors at, at a frightening rate. And the scary thing about some of those churches is that you can actually see this, and, and like I've seen it demonstrated, I've seen it right up close. Um, and that is that you can see this, this, it's almost like this bizarre negative thing that happens. And then you fast forward a bit, a few years, and it's almost like a very similar bizarre negative thing happens again. And it seems pretty similar to that, but there's a whole different group of people involved. That tells me like, like there's something that's in the DNA of the church, especially when that, then that repeats. And one church I'm thinking of, I've seen it repeated, I don't know how many times. So it, like it's something, something deep in the church. It's something sewn in to the identity of the church. And Gary and I were talking about that day and I said, Gary, you know what? I also think the opposite's true. 
sometimes you see these jaw-dropping positive sorts of things that happen in a church and then you fast forward a few years and it's a very similar positive jaw-dropping sort of thing that happens again and it happens again and again and again and that also tells me something in the in the DNA of the church and God's responsible for the good in the church but I personally would say that the number one influence in that beautiful DNA in the church would be Pastor Gary and Sue. So what do they value? These people value people and especially, you see it, you see it demonstrated in story after story after story, they value people who do not yet know Jesus. Um, Riaz, you're sitting up the back. We spoke about you a couple of weeks ago and you weren't here and we spoke, we used Riaz. Remember that? We used him and I thought we've got to say it again now because Riaz, what I said, I, like I don't know you too well yet. We're going to do that soon. But you embody to me, you, if you talk to Riaz, I'll tell you one thing that this guy values. He values the goodness of God. He values celebrating because when you ask him, hey, how are you going <laughs> Like he'll usually greet you as an like, praise God. Riaz, yeah, showing the value of celebration. So what would you say if we suggested that we all do have values? We all have the things and the people and the places and the traits that matter most to us but maybe we could break them down into different sorts of values so we do all have those spoken values so you know just like what we'd all do the things that we say are important to us and we have aspirational values so the things that we'd like to have as our values almost wish we did in an ideal world but we're not quite there yet and then we have our actual values the ones and you know, like the things that we, it's almost like you, you don't have to work so much for it to be an actual value because it just is. It's just something you value. Um, it's a great exercise in a little bit of a stock take. And to ask that question, hey, what, what matters most? We're in the second week of what matters most here. We did it two weeks ago. Last week when we were all together for our trilingual service, we, we, we talked about what, we, what we're doing, um, our vision for our church. And then this week, we want to talk about our values. We've said more than once through this month, it's been right through Feb, talk, all this talk about, you know, and you've heard it all before, mission, vision, purpose, value, strategy. And it's easily... Like just as cliche as it comes. Like everyone's talking about it. It seems like every business that you go to, every hospital ward, every department, every club, every team, they've got, they, they got at least their version of this stuff, you know? And churches are no exception. We said a couple of weeks ago, like I'd even argue that churches have been the leaders of the pack in this in the last 20 years. That we're, you know, our purpose, our vision, our values, our mission, our strategy. And I've let you know this month what I think, haven't I? That half of this talk, in, in my view, half this talk about all this, it, it, probably more than half, it's gobbledygook. You know, like, and lots of what's not just gobbledygook, and I think we don't even get what we're talking about, um, but a lot of it's just talk as well. 
You get, you get 10 different churches, right? 10 different organizations, and you will you sit them all down and you say, right, what, what does this mean? Vision, mission, values, strategy, like, and you'll get 10 different, at least 10 different versions of what those things all mean. Well, for me, and I know it's true for me, and I'm sure it's not just for me, and I'm sure it's not just because I say it, I'm sure it's true for our leadership here in the church as well, and that is that we are absolutely committed to not having some cliched, great-sounding, impressive visions and purposes and missions and goals and strategies and values. No, 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 no. Remember what we said right at the start of the month? Right at the outset, we said that the church's purpose is the most important purpose in the world. Friends, human lives are at stake. So if that's true, then we would want to be more than serious about our purpose, wouldn't we? We've talked about our prospectus. We just let that out at the start of the month. We sent it out to everyone who was on the database. Some people have asked for hard copies of it. And, and what it says in there is this prospectus, it's for 2024 and beyond, it paints a picture of our church, who we are, where we've come from, where we're heading, how we're set up. And at the start of the month, we spoke about our church's purpose. And we said, th this is just the way that we understand here. When we say our purpose, here's what we mean by that. Not saying that other people's purpose understanding is different or wrong, or just this is what we mean. Our purpose statement explains why our church exists and in a broad sense, what we hope to be. We've actually recently just changed the purpose statement because the updated statement, um, better, more specifically reflects our real true purpose. Why are we here? Here's, here's what we say. We exist, this church exists to sow seeds of faith in Jesus, to grow to maturity in him, and to multiply the kingdom of God. That's why we're here. And we said that everything about us, we said everything about us, everything we do and say and are, it's, it's about us together, the people who make up this local church with God's enabling and strengthening and discerning and inspiring help fulfilling this purpose. But listen in, my friend. It is not just about God doing it because you, you sitting there right now, me standing here right now, each one of us has agency in that. Joanna spoke to that perfectly just a few minutes ago. You have agency. Whether you're part of what God's doing. You know, we talk about God's enabling and strengthening and discerning. Whether you're part of that and the degree to which you are part of that. You do have agency in that. My own theology on that, I don't even know that I can prove it to you. Except there are different stories of this in the Bible that maybe would illustrate it. And that is that God's a God. If God wants to, he can pull off a helicopter rescue anytime he wants. God can actually change your heart. He can change my heart. He, he can bring me to absolute repentance. He can take you as angry as all get up at the moment and, and make you as, as, as soft as butter. 
The Holy Spirit can do that any moment he wants to, using anyone he chooses, using any method he chooses, he can. Does he? He doesn't always do that. And my sense is that more often than not, because you have agency and I have agency, he acts upon what we give him permission, what we give him access to. So don't, don't ever sit back and just think, oh, well, it's all God. If God wants me to change, he'll change me. If God wants me involved, then he'll just give me a bolt out of heaven and he'll just tell me. If, God, if, God, if I have got the wrong attitude here, well, then it's up to the Holy Spirit to show me because if not, th- that's not the way a disciple of Jesus thinks. A disciple of Jesus uses words that we find all through our Bibles. He, he uses things like Psalm 119. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. He uses the words of Psalm 119 verse 29. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. So last week, we talked about what matters most to us. Sorry, two weeks ago, what matters most to us. And we got stuck into our core values. Our church has had 10 core values ever since 2006. And we've slightly tweaked them over the years, the values themselves and also the blurbs that go with them. And then that what we've done this year leading into the prospectus, because we do a, sort of a real big review of this every five years. And our pastoral team spent at least three full days off-site working on this. And then we had our leadership community give input into it as well. And so now we've, we've trimmed those 10 core values down to seven. We really, really, really wanted to get it to five, but we couldn't yet. Uh, we just want, we want simplicity so that people can remember. But anyway, it's down to seven. And here's how we describe our values here. Here's what we mean when we say our values. Here's what we mean. Our values express what we're trying to do and be. And in our church's daily life, they're very much alive, active, and meaningful. So really, what we're saying is that these values, we looked at four the other week, and it'll be the other three today. We want these to be our actual values for our church. Now, in truth, they've got a bit of spoken values in there, yeah? And they've got a bit of aspirational values in there as well because like, we're a work in progress. So like we've said all along though, and we've emphasized the two, it's up to all of us together, every single one of us. And I mean, I'd say this is true for every church, but if, if, if you know what we call the study of ecclesiology, all right, Baptist churches more than any other church because Baptist churches believe in the priesthood of all believers. All right, And what that means is that there's nothing extra about me as a pastor, and even for me, like I'm Reverend Jeff. All right, That means there's nothing extra at all about me. Other than that, like, so I get paid, so I've got a bit more time to put in. And I've got a role that God gives me. But every single one of us following Jesus, if we're Baptists, what we believe is that we're priests. Every one of us, without exception. That's the priesthood of all believers. So what it means is that we've all got a role because what we do is we easily forget visions, values, purposes. We all do. We drift. And we've all got a role to keep us on track. And we've said this several times, friends. Listen carefully to this 
and listen humbly as well, there's nothing wrong with a leader leading. With a leader actually saying, hey, here's what we're going to do. That's not wrong. That's what a leader's job is. And sometimes what we do is we, 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 we feel, especially these days, it's like, don't tell me what to do. A leader's job is to lead. And it's not wrong for leaders to lead at, at, at whatever level and in whatever context in our church. It's not wrong. And part of a leader's job is to actually bring about mid-course corrections sometimes when we're drifting away from our values or when we're drifting away from our purpose. That's a leader's job. We always have to remember that. Our actual values, friends, church and personal, feed into everything about us, and it's true for you too. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. So let's have a look at just these other three values for today. Four plus three equals seven. We did four, now three more. The fifth value on our list, and remember they're just in alphabetical order, so they're not in order of importance, they're just in alphabetical order. Integrity. So we seek honesty and the highest ethical and moral standards in our own lives and in our church as a whole, especially modelled and demonstrated in our leadership. Now, integrity. The way that it's defined, look it up in the dictionary, it's going to tell you that it's a firm adherence to a code of especially moral or artistic values. You stick to the rules. It also can mean an unimpaired condition. So if something's got integrity, it's sound. The seat that you're sitting on at the moment has integrity. If it didn't, you'd fall to the ground. And it can also mean the quality or state of being complete or undivided. It's completeness. It's wider than just being honest. Here's some synonyms for it and, and, and the sorts of words that they mean. You've got words like honesty, honour, integrity, probity, and they mean uprightness of character or action. These are dictionary definitions, not, not Bible definitions, dictionary definitions. Honesty implies a refusal to lie or to steal or to deceive in any way. Honour suggests an active or anxious regard for the standards of one's profession or calling or position. Integrity implies trustworthiness and incorruptibility to a degree that one is incapable of being false to a trust, a responsibility or a pledge. And probity implies tried and proven honesty or integrity. And all of that lines up with a word from the ancient Koine Greek language. And this is the language that more often than not the New Testament in our Bibles will use. And the word is hypocrites. Yep, we get hypocrite from that. Do you know, the Greek word hypocrites, it literally meant a stage player or an actor. Get the feeling, don't you? Like, so someone who's up on stage and they're playing a character. It's not them, it's their character. Figuratively, it came to mean a two-faced person. So even someone who would wear a mask while they're acting, so you couldn't see their face. 
What does it mean in practice? Hupokrites, one whose profession does not match their practice. You see, integrity, true for you, true for me, true for our church, what it really means, my friend, is that you are true. You're upfront. What you see is what you get. You're honest. You, you, you don't wait till you, till you get accused of something to try and prove and demonstrate and defend your trueness. You actually do it proactively so you don't act in ways that might require you to cover your backside later. Now, you don't have, need me to tell you how much of an issue this has been in the in the church worldwide, um, especially these last few years, right through history, but especially these last few years as, as we've, we've heard so much about it. Integrity amongst the clergy, ministers. Integrity in the church. How many times have you had a conversation about that? Like, I'll bet you, more than one. <laughs> How many times you've been to a party like me, you know, and um, you used to go to a party, what do you, you, know, what do, you do? You know, I, you know, I'm in the police force. Oh, hey, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a homicide detective. <laughs> that was the conversation starter. Now, what do you do? I'm a, I'm a minister. Oh, okay. Like it's a conversation stopper now, you know. Um, and I often think when someone stops the conversation, what are you thinking? You're thinking that I'm one of those clergy? Paul, the apostle, he said, indeed, we're giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. That's integrity. And I can tell you, not boastfully, not proud. That, that means the world to me. And, and it means the world to our church leadership here too. Because what's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Our actual values, friends, integrity being one of them, church and personal, they feed into everything about us. So how's your integrity? Mission is the next one. We're passionately focused on people around us and in all the world who do not yet know Jesus. We're always seeking to find appropriate, relevant and innovative ways to communicate the good news to them. And we just had a perfect example, the shack. <laughs> what, a, what a way. What a way. And really, mission is what God has been up to excuse me, right throughout the course of history. From the earliest page of the Bible, God's been into bringing people into relationship with himself. You know, there's, there's a time when Jesus is on earth and he walks past Levi. He's sitting at his tax collector's booth. This guy's a tax collector. He's a Jew but he's seen as and viewed as and treated as a traitor to his people, quite simply because the Romans occupied the 
the Jewish territory at the moment, so it's an outside power. And what they do is they recruit various Jews, and Levi is one of them, and say, if you want to be a tax collector for us, you go to all your people and you collect a compulsory amount of tax. We'll tell you how much to collect per person. But Levi, and I don't even know if it's nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's, it's up front and everyone knows it. Levi, you collect for us, let's just say $5 per person who's here. But collect whatever you want for yourself on top of that. And we'll legally enforce it. So whatever you ask those people for, they've got to give you. So Levi rubs his hands together and thinks, awesome. (laughs) And he collects $10 per person. And that's $5 per person in his pocket. You know why he's seen as a traitor. Tax collectors are despised and hated. He's sitting there in his tax collector's booth. Jesus comes walking past. And he says, hey, Levi. Come follow me. So Levi gets up. It says he left everything and he followed Jesus. And then later on, after he's followed Jesus, now he holds a banquet in his home and he invites all his tax collector mates to come along. And Jesus is there too. He's the guest of honor. And there's others there. They're not just tax collectors, but they're they're unsavory sorts. Sort of people you wouldn't really want to rub shoulders with. You probably wouldn't even want to want to sit near them and then the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law we call them the scribes the religious leaders are horrified with this they're scandalized with this they complain bitterly not to Jesus they don't go directly to the source we tend to do that as people don't we but they complain to Jesus disciples and they actually say to him hey why do you guys eat and drink with such scum and Jesus answered them so it's like he knew what they were saying and he overheard and he said I'll give you an answer to that question healthy people don't need a doctor Sick people do. I have come, he said. I have come here. I haven't come here to call those who think they are righteous and we think we know who he's talking to there. I came to call those who know they are sinners and need to repent. You see, the mission, Jesus said, is not for those who are here already. That is hard to understand. It's hard to grasp for us church people. The mission is not for those who are here already. It's for the empty seats that are near you. It's for your mum or your dad or your neighbour or your workmate or your teammate or your mechanic or your waiter who doesn't yet know Jesus. That's who the mission's for. And Jesus said, we call this the fulcrum point, the, 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 the central point of the whole gospel of Luke. In the Bible, Jesus said, for the Son of Man, that's he's describing himself, for the Son of Man, why did I come from heaven? Here it is, here's my purpose statement. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. End of statement. It's all about this. Did we have a a Siri talk to us just then, did we? (laughs) 
Whose Siri was that? <laughs> well, you can say, she said, I'm sorry. We're sorry too. Anyway. Hey, no worries. Um. <laughs> Our actual values, church and personal, they feed into everything about us, friends. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. The final one, prayer. We believe that prayer is vital. It's a powerful foundation of our relationship with God. And we want to be a people radically devoted to prayer. Individually, in groups, and corporately. And when we say radically, we mean radically. The foundation. We said it's a powerful foundation. In other words, you don't, you don't do anything with your building until you put the foundation in. It's the beginning. It's the mainstay. And this year then, you heard for the first time earlier when Pastor Sammy was speaking to you, our encounter nights. Let me paint a bit of a picture for you. These encounter nights, we've had a few that have been awesome over the years and we've called them different names than that. But generally speaking, what we've done is we've, you know, like it's a small group of people that are here. Well, we're praying and trusting for that to change this year. Sunday nights, 7 to 8 p.m. The first one's in a few weeks' time on the 17th of March. And then you've got the other dates there, May, July, October, once a quarter. And then feeding into that, prayer and fasting, our leadership group spoke about this a couple of weeks ago when we were together. And so we'll always be doing prayer and fasting as a church in the week leading up to, okay? So when we say there, e.g., Monday 11th of March, so the encounter, get that, it's on the 17th of March, for the week before, prayer and fasting. What does that mean? Does that mean that we're saying, everyone in the church, you've got to stop eating on Sunday night and you can't start eating until the following Sunday night? Well, no, we're not saying that. Because fasting, fasting just means like actually giving up something that we would normally do or use. It's usually something that's, that's sort of pleasurable or good fun. Um, giving it up in whatever form. So, and it'll be up to, I mean, no one will know, unless you tell someone, no one will know who's doing what anyway. It's not like you're going to get your arm twisted and said you've got to do this. It'll be up to you. And what you work out will be between you and God. So it might be, for instance, that you, that you, you choose, I mean, could you imagine this? It might be that you choose to use no technology during daylight hours for Monday through Sunday. It might be that you're like, sometimes fasting can be for people... Um, you know, like, and I've got, I got good friends who are Muslims during Ramadan, you know, and the, the fasting then can be from, from, sun, up, from sun, sun up to sundown, you know. Um, and it, it, it doesn't have to be food, but it's fasting. And so what we'd be saying is, and we'll talk more about this, is we'll encourage you to, to speak to God about that and to choose will you be involved in that and if so, at what level and how. Um, might it just be that you, you fast for one day? Uh, whatever it is, like God will, if, if, if you go to God with an honest heart, he'll speak to you on that, all right? And so to have prayer and fasting, but all of us together. And in that time, friends, it's not just prayer and fasting as so I'm just hungry or whatever it is. It's, 
it's using that time to pray extra and we'll, we'll be encouraging you not just to pray, Lord, bless the people and Lord, do like, you know, your worldwide prayers, but to be praying, Lord God, please, please, Jesus, you're the Lord of the harvest. Please, would you take this church, this, this family, this group of people here and would you move us to a new stage so that we can be even more effective for you? And can we see people's lives changed and people come to know Jesus? Please, Jesus, and pressing into that then we come together on the Sunday night we worship our hearts out and we pray together that's what we got planned for the year that's ahead our actual values church and personal friends they feed into everything about us what's down in the well comes up in the bucket so I wanted to ask you if you might be a person because this happens to all of us from time to time if you might be a person who's stuck You're stuck where you are. And it's, it feels like super glue. It's like, how can, I, how can I move past this? You, you might be a person that, that's in there and you're just, you're just flat out scared and nervous. It's like, how, how could I? Like, how could, what could I make of all of this? You know, this, this church's purpose, mission, values, like a strategy. Well, I want to remind you that you have agency. You've got a choice to make. And you can choose, yes, you can choose to stay stuck. You can choose to stay scared. You can choose to just stay indifferent you can and I promise you God will still love you if you do (laughs) but to that degree you'll be a bit like our friends Joe and Sonia in those first four years that they were here come in happy wave you know lap it up talk take notes go home you won't really be making a meaningful contribution considering that the church's purpose is the most important purpose in the world. So we've set up a bit of a rhythm for this year. I want to explain it to you now, just briefly, before we finish. Take a look at this. In the rhythm, four, what we call staples, four things that are really important. And what we would say is that these are important for every single person in the church. Um, Our trilingual service, it's once a quarter and then you know, we always have a barbecue lunch and then our members meeting. I oh, know, no, you know, members meeting. Like, I'll be quite frank with you, members meetings aren't my favourite activity. Like, I don't, I'm not sort of hanging out for the next members meeting thinking, when can we do a bit more budgets and, you know, constitutions? Like, it doesn't, doesn't float the boat for me too much. But it's, it's actually a really important part of our, of our family and we have to do it legally and we actually have to do it organisationally. So to really prioritise those things. And then leadership community, and you might say, but I'm not a leader. Well, hey, leadership community this year is for all our volunteers and all our you know, coordinators and elders and pastors and board members and stuff. And so what that would say is, well, maybe it should be for you because you should be volunteering, hey? And, and finding a way to actually contribute and serve. Um, And then encounter, I've just spoken about our encounter nights. 
and then our property days as well. Because what we've found in the last couple of years, sort of dropped off a bit in those. Um, now, the fact of the matter is, look, we've got these awesome buildings and facilities and property, but to maintain it takes people power. We, we could potentially pay people to go around and, and do all these things, but, but like we need a lot of budget for that, wouldn't we? And so all of the work that we do here, apart from specialised trades work, it's, it's, in, it's in us volunteering together. And so here we go. Just take a look at this, um, and, then, and then with this, we're going to finish. Um, so in the first quarter of the year, um, first term, we've, we've already had, we, we, we told, you, you, you were here, you know, like last week, our trilingual service, our members meeting, that was last week. Our leadership community was during this week. Oh, I want to stop there and tell you a little bit about our leadership community. Nick, why don't you come down here, grab that microphone from Pastor Sammy on the way, put your hands together, because this man... Nick, Nicholas, Nicholas Philby won an award the other night. Do you want to tell us what the name of the award is? So it was the uh, Volunteer of the Quarter. Volunteer of the Quarter, friends. How's that? And, and the award, which um, the pastoral team works out the, the nominations of that, and we joked because your mum is part of the pastoral team, and she was not the one that nominated you. All right? She, she seriously wasn't. Um, not at all. Um, but we joke because what we gave Nick that award to, and there's always several people to give it to, was Nick, it's not just what you do. You're up there, you work in the projector and the, the media today. Um, you were here last week cooking the barbecue, cleaning up afterwards. You're down there at State Youth Games last year with your, with your blower trying to get the fire going and you know, setting all that up. And it's not just all these things that you do, Nick, um, but what... What an awesome guy, like just this, just, and like, just this gentle, quiet, there's no fuss, is there, for you? Like, it's like, it's no big deal, is it? Yeah, try not, try not to make it a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, just, just tell, what, how was leadership community the other night? Because that was your first one that you've been to. Yeah, so I haven't been it? before. Um, it was a really great night to get to meet the, some of the other volunteers, um, sort of, see the bigger team up there sometimes you sort of um, get stuck into the work and you don't see everything that's involved so it was really good to see the bigger group um, we shared in a meal um, that Vicky so oh, graciously yeah. cooked for us lasagna great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we just um, joined into some worship and prayer and um, got into a bit of Bible reading and it was yeah it was really really good don't talk about the Bible reading. That wasn't <laughs> so good, was it? Um, there's a reason for that. Nick, um, worth coming to, leadership yeah, community? Absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. was a great night to, in fellowship and just spending it more as a family than just a, a group of volunteers. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Couldn't describe better myself. Thanks, Nick. Good on you, mate. Thank you. So, friends, um, um, I want to I show you now. Um, in a sec when Nick gets back there to do it. I want to show you, like, we, we, what we've done is we've planned these out, those, those, those four things, and we've planned them out so that they're all happening once a quarter. We've worked really hard on it so that there's no sort of log jams of stuff where there's lots and lots and lots of stuff happening. We've spread them all out. So every, so if you then just, just go, if you just scroll through those, Nick, and you see for, for the second quarter, there they are, there's the dates. Then they're there for the third quarter as well and for the last quarter. And... Um, you and I both know, right, um, that what, 
what, what happens now. Like all those dates are actually in my diary now. And I mean, they've got to be because I work here. But I just, like if they're not in my diary and then you, give, you tell me, like say their leadership community, you tell me on the, the 1st of October or say, say that one there, leadership community, if you had told me on the, the 14th of February, Jeff, we've got a leadership community, right? Well, uh, almost guaranteed there'll already be something in my diary on the 21st. But if they're in my diary now, I can almost guarantee you there won't be anything in my diary when it comes time for those things to happen. I'll be able to be there with bells on, yeah? So we want to challenge you to do that. Let's pray together, friends. Think about the values because our actual values, church and personal, it's true for you too, they feed into everything about us. What's down in the well comes up in the bucket. Can I just give you a moment or two? Listen to the Spirit of God. Don't be freaked by that. The Spirit of God wants to communicate with you and wants to speak to you. So just listen into the Spirit of God right now. Holy Spirit. And let's just leave it to him what he wants to say to you.